welcome to the Advance Your Art podcast, where we talk about the journey from artist to entrepreneur and everything in between. You've worked hard to hone your craft. Now take it to the next level with tips, techniques, strategies, and routines used by successful artists to grow their businesses and careers. Now, let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Julia, welcome to the show. How are you this evening? Hi, Yuri. I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> I'm fantastic. It's uh, it's nice to chat with you again and actually have the recording that works. I'm so excited about it, but this is going to be so much better. It definitely will. We are we are a year out from our last conversation, and it's going to be even bigger and better. So that's I, right. Yeah. <laughs> So I'd like to start off by letting the audience know a little bit more about you. So how do you describe yourself and what you do? So I'm the co-founder of two companies in the performing arts. So I usually describe myself as a leader in the arts and an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And um, the two companies interface with the arts in a lot of different ways, from management and agency representation to consulting and coaching and career advising, um, and also consulting with arts organizations. So we do a lot of different things with both artists and organizations. And um, so it's, it's quite, a, quite a broad range of jobs that I hold um, in the leadership capacity with both companies, but mm-hmm. it's definitely... Never a dull day. Yeah, definitely. So I'm curious then about your, let's say, journey from your college days into what you're doing now. Because in looking at what you went to school for, you know, you studied Russian and Eastern European studies. You also did in music. Um, but also then you got your master's in executive leadership. So how did, how did that translate to what you're doing now? I think that in business and in the arts in general, but also in business, broadly speaking, one of the most important things, one of the most important qualities is kind of a combination of creativity and perspective. So sort of like creativity in a certain perspective, in a, in a set of perspectives. And I really believe that that's where the edu- one's education really comes into play is providing you with that perspective. So it's mm-hmm. not necessarily training you in each of the elements that you need to learn. I think as a business owner, every every business owner I know, I think would agree that you there's no preparation, really. I mean, you have to just train on the job. The only thing you can really prepare adequately and that you really should give a lot of credence to as early as you can in your life is your mindset, because that's something that follows you wherever you go, whatever you do. And that's, I think, ultimately either your superpower or your you know your biggest challenge depending depending on how uh where you fall on the spectrum of of how uh how you tackle the mindset but um, and whether you have techniques to kind of reorient yourself but besides the mindset i think that there's very little that you could actually learn in school Mm -hmm. that will be everything that you need to know or really set you up for knowing what you need at the beginning of starting a business because you just 
learn so much in the process. So Mm -hmm. for me, I had a really broad liberal arts training background, which gave me a lot of perspective and gave me a lot of different ideas and different kind of different little corners and snippets of information that I, I do think that I draw from daily. Um, but as far as my undergraduate and pre prior to that schooling, um, a little of that has informed what I do except within music, which definitely has fact factored quite a bit into my work. Um, I don't think any of it is something that I couldn't have learned later, but it's, it's being a musician myself and having had that be such a big part informative part of my life um, really to this day but especially in my undergraduate and prior to that life um, that has defined a lot of my identity has defined a lot of my understanding of this business from mm-hmm. the artistic perspective and it's definitely allowed me to speak that language which was an important thing early and you know continues to be important in our work mm-hmm. and then as far as the graduate studies that I, I did two years after starting our, you know, co-founding our companies. And um, that was a very intentional decision because Jennifer, my business partner and I, uh, my business partner's name is Jennifer Rosenfeld. So when I say we, uh, when it comes to leading the businesses, et cetera, that's, that's who I'm referring to. It's not the royal we. Uh, (laughs) But uh, when Jennifer and I were kind of getting a little, getting a little bit deeper into both companies, existence especially at cadenza it was clear that it was time to hire hire a staff and, and start bringing in more more manpower to our team and we both realized that we need leadership training we need management training and um, for that reason i decided to go back to school specifically specifically looking to focus on executive leadership so that i could lead a team effectively and um, could sharpen my saw in that arena and that's been very, very applicable, very helpful, both in terms of working within our team and within our work now with organizations. We do a lot of work consulting for organizations on organizational dynamics, culture shifts, um, really dealing with challenging internal and external elements that lead teams to a place of disarray or dysfunction and kind of helping them through that to a different way of working and a lot of the work that I did in grad school and what I learned there informs what we do and how we work. Oh, wonderful. So you went from working for a market research and consulting firm to then starting your own company. And so I was curious to hear the thought process of why you wanted to make the leap into running your own company and specifically why that company versus something else. Sure. So I had worked for an incredible company, a market research company called Horizon Research, which allowed me, I mostly, I mean, all of my work there was through a series of internships that I did during college. Mm -hmm. Um, And that really gave me, it introduced me to a whole new world, which was consulting. And I had no idea um, going into college, I thought, you know, law was an option. Op- I was considering an opera career as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had no idea that consulting was such a huge field. And uh, having had that opportunity, I really fell in love with it because I saw the impact that this company and I, I played a very small role in that impact as, as an intern. Uh, I, I got a chance to write this major article that was published in the Moody Report, which was really exciting for me. 
at the time, and uh, you know, I, I really was given a chance to get my hands dirty, but I was certainly not, you know, a crucial element in the team in terms of helping the organizations that they were working with and the mm-hmm. companies that they were serving. But just seeing the impact that a consulting firm or a consultant can have was so eye-opening for me. And I really wanted to serve. I really wanted to to do something with my career that would have a huge impact on people. And I didn't know what that would look like or what was available, but I just knew that it had to be something that wasn't like a nine to five. That wasn't a clock in clock out. That wasn't something where I was a cog in a wheel where I didn't even know where the wheel was going. Um, it had to have significant impact that was measurable. And um, so that's kind of where I was coming from and what I was looking for. And I was also really concerned with having a job that I would feel that grew stale for me Mm -hmm. um, or that I grew stale in. um, And I knew that I would love almost any job for about five years, uh, you know, that I'm curious enough and I'm willing to kind of just dig deeper enough to to be, you know, in that mode. But um, I was really concerned about being in a job for longer than five years and being motivated and being truly connected to its mission and mm-hmm. feeling like I was maximizing my abilities. And from all of those perspectives, I think um, certainly getting involved in the startup and um, pursuing entrepreneurship was a good fit. But the reason we started iCadenza, my business partner, Jennifer and I, was that, you know, we just had an idea and we really, we cared deeply about the arts um we had we were both artists and that's how we connected with each other originally back in middle school Mm -hmm. we went to middle and high school together and um, we really wanted to see this industry that we love that this industry that produces the art that we were always so drawn to both experiencing as audience members and creating ourselves as artists um, we wanted to see it thrive, and we weren't seeing that happening on a lot of levels. We weren't seeing artists stepping into their full selves a lot of the time. A lot of artists that we had connected to either just in our own artistic path or just, you know, artists that we had become aware of, um, as we talked to them and learned more about their journey, we saw a lot of struggle, a lot of pain, and a very, very little support. Um, and it's a very, very tough job to do what artists do on stage and um, not having the right kind of support in terms of your mindset, in terms of what steps you can take in your career is really, really challenging. And, uh, you know, artists graduate from conservatories and universities every year in the thousands and very few have a feeling or a network that they can rely on um, that really is helping guide them and shepherd them through that transition to a professional career. Um, So we were really cognizant of that issue, as well as other challenges that arts organizations were facing as well. And Mm so kind of learning more about all of that in our senior year of college, we were drawn to trying to find solutions to these problems. And um, we ended up entering a business plan competition at Tufts University, which is where I was graduating from. Um, to, you know, just with some ideas that we had uh, Mm -hmm. with, you know, a business model for how we could address some of these challenges. And we had no idea what a business plan was. We had no idea how to approach, you know, even competing in the competition, let alone starting a business. But we just thought this could be a really interesting exercise. And we ended up progressing through the rounds and winning second place prize. 
in the top 100k competition so it was a really really big moment for us and the validation that winning that competition at the time um, provided us really gave us that kind of that self-assuredness to to give it a shot and to give it a try and originally it was supposed to be an experiment for one year which we then renewed for one more year mm-hmm. and um, and then we were hooked oh good how close is your current business now to the business plan you wrote nine years ago yeah it was exactly nine years ago yeah. um april 25th nine years ago basically <laughs> um yeah actually sorry march 25th all right nine so close. Years ago. yeah yeah um but yeah it's it's not some it's in terms of the mission and mm-hmm. the impact that we wanted to have through it which was a big it was a few pages of the plan. Yeah. Um, we're definitely having a similar impact to what we intended. But in terms of the model, the business model, and how we go about doing it, it's not even related right. at all. All right. So we, are there – what types of artists do you specialize in? Is it is it just musicians or is it actors, you know, singers, musicians, dancers, the wide variety? So as far as our agency is concerned, we represent music, dance, theater. Um, we have a lot of projects that involve multimedia in some kind of way, mm-hmm. some in a very, very kind of primary way. Um, we have some projects that mix music and dance or have multiple genres represented. We, we work with a lot of different genres, everything from classical jazz, world music to um, to kind of more contemporary genres. And um, so it's it's a really broad cross action. We do work with some visual artists as well, and then mm-hmm. through consulting, we do a lot of work with those same categories of artists, as well as working with um, through consulting and management with composers, directors. Uh, we represent conductors and a lot of people that create um, behind the scenes. That you know that. People just may not see, um, but we're helping them kind of move their careers forward and build their networks as well. So it's a really, really broad kind of scope of, of people that are involved in the arts. We've also done a lot of work with organizations, especially arts organizations, where we're helping both through executive coaching and other kinds of consulting projects that we do, helping arts administrators as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. So it looks like then... After you started iCadenza, about a year later, you started Cadenza Artists. How do they? How are they similar, and how are they different, other than the names? <laughs> well, um, the names have some similarity to them, but uh, but they are distinct. Mm-hmm. What in terms of the the function, though, Cadenza Artists is a full service agency. So okay. we are representing the artists that we represent. Um, many of the artists on our roster were exclusively representing everything they do. So we're responsible really for the bread on their table. And we take that very seriously. Um, and we're booking tours and shows for them internationally and sending them on tour. Um, so we, we work with both individual artists and with large scale shows and projects mm-hmm. where we could be touring as many as 43 people with sets and with, you know, with complex technology that's being shipped all over the world, etc. Um, so it can get quite quite complex and quite um, logistically complicated too. Yeah. Um, 
but that's cadenza artists and then i cadenza what we handle is i mean we do everything from online education to coaching we have some coaching programs as well that we recently launched that i'm really really excited about uh, we have this incredible coaching program that's called idea to impact launch mm-hmm. here breakthrough arts venture that we just launched actually last week so that's been really exciting getting to work with those artists that have signed on to that and and more are signing on every week so that's been kind of fun to watch and then we also do work individually with artists both through consulting and through management and that's all within the icadenza scope mm-hmm. um, and then we also do work with organizations through iCadenza as well. And that's that's kind of a, another difference between iCadenza and Cadenza artists is that um, through iCadenza, we end up doing a lot of um, a lot of consulting projects with institutions. So we actually work with the Peabody Institute um, that's kind of under the Johns Hopkins umbrella in Baltimore. We do work with the Frost School of Music in Miami. We do work with conferences and conventions like Chorus America, et cetera, um, mm-hmm. as well as other arts organizations that we're doing organizational consulting for. So it's really a broader kind of cross-section, a, a broader set of services that we offer through iCadenza. Mm-hmm. When you first come across an artist, so actually so actually, let's, let's go into that one. Um, artists you represent, do you find them or do they find you? Or how does that work? Both. All of the above. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and oftentimes artists that approach us are really looking to have us take their career into our hands and launch it and make it happen for them. And unfortunately, it doesn't really work like that. When you're looking for management or agency representation, you really want to have your career be further along so that it's already already kind of on, on a level. It's already happening and it's active and you're looking to either raise it to the next level or uh, you know work with a partner to continue that activity on a bigger scale mm-hmm. um, but not to launch it from the get-go and that's why we do a lot of the consulting work and, and a lot of the pro- you know programs and online courses and and um, different offerings to really help artists kind of get through that catch-22 and to get things launched and to get their career to that point um, where they could be seeking out a partner but um, but we do get a lot of a lot of inquiries from artists some of which uh, have led to us having that those kinds of deeper conversations um, but really yeah we get connected with artists through all sorts of different different avenues and sometimes we actually just meet them mm-hmm. um, at conferences or at random events and it just you know by happenstance uh, but the kinds of artists that we're looking for we're kind of specific about um, so, you know, we're, we're always kind of keeping that in mind and we've been through, through the process of working with artists so many times now. Um, and we've been so privileged to get to work with so many different kinds of artists that I think we have a good sense for who works well with us and who we work well with as well. What kinds of personality types and what kinds of artists artistically. Mm-hmm. When, so when, let's say greener artists approach you. Is there a specific type of skill that they are they are consistently missing, or is it just kind of, or is it is it I guess is it very based on on the type of individual? I was just curious to see if there's like similar patterns that you've already spotted with new artists and what they are consistently behind on 
or missing? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I would say that one of the things that is often missing with greener artists, as you said, are artists that are kind of just kind of in the earlier throes of their process. Yeah. Um, is that they haven't really figured out what they stand for and they haven't figured out how to articulate it. Um, so they're coming to us basically saying, you know, I want to perform more. Mm-hmm. I am a singer, you know, <laughs> and um, it doesn't really help us visualize what their success might look like. And also kind of secondarily, but related to that, they don't have a vision for what their career could look like. Mm-hmm. They don't have a vision for that big dream happening. They're not, you know, I think often, especially classical artists, but really across the board, um, artists are so afraid of, of being perceived as a diva or wanting too much or asking for too much uh, that they just don't ask for anything at all. And they don't, they don't stand for anything at all. They're just sort of like there to take whatever they can get because they feel like that's the artist's role. And the truth is that artists that succeed in their careers long-term, they know what they want. They know they, they're, they are visually visualizing a reality. Let me, let me say that again. <laughs> they are visualizing a reality that doesn't exist yet. Mm-hmm. And they're very, very clear on what that visual is and what that can be like and what that would feel like and what that would, mean and what would come with that and um, maybe sometimes even the challenges that would come with that but they still want it and they know what that looks like and they know as a result what their holes are and what's missing right now and where where we fit into that and that is the best kind of artist for us to work with when they really understand where they're trying to go and what they're trying to do and then we can say do I want to opt into that do I want do I want to work on that for the next three, five, ten, who knows how long we'll be working with that artist's years, you know? Yeah. Uh, we always, every artist that we take on for representation, we're looking at, you know, our intention is a long-term relationship. So it could well be many, many years of work together. And we better be behind whatever it is that they really want to do. And um, that better be exciting for us. But when they don't stand for something, when they don't have clarity on what that is that they want to be, known for and what that vision might look like, then we're kind of in this nebulous land where we're trying to imagine what that could be. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm a firm believer that 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 visual and that vision should come from the artist because it's their life at the end of the day. You know, yeah. it's their life, it's their legacy, it's their face, it's their voice, it's their sound, it's, it's their soul that's up there sharing and connecting. Um, you know, our job is to bring out the best in them and to set them up for the best possible outcomes, but it's them up there. Um, so it's not my place to say, this is your vision. Mm-hmm. All I can do is say, Hey, you're not thinking, you're not dreaming big enough. You're, you can, you know, what do you really want? And keep asking that question until they're ready to share. Um, but so with new artists that approach us, if they don't have that clarity, it's harder to imagine what their potential could be and it's harder to get behind it. Yeah. The other thing that I would say is also very related to that is presentation overall. And that comes down to, you know, your videos. Video is so important these days and it's so cheap to produce that there's really no excuse not to have high quality video. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And without it, it's really hard to imagine what the artist is about. Um, and, um, you know, the, the bio, the way you describe what you do, getting very, very specific. Um, when we don't have that, we have to dig for it through their materials. And it's the same thing with presenting organizations. You know, they end up having to dig for this stuff and nobody has time to do that. Um, so it just doesn't happen and then they don't get booked. Um, so, so that's what we look for as well is how clearly is the message being articulated and how strong are the materials? Um, cause that helps us digest it and it would help us promote them if we were actually working with them. Yeah. So you said something very interesting about some artists not dreaming big enough, which I found interesting. Do you, do you think that comes from a fear of, selling out or is it just part of training in the arts where you are you know told that you're lucky to be working and you're lucky to be in this position and you should just take what's given to you i think it's both but i also think it's partly perhaps our generation and and the the social media generation that we're all a part of and and kind of the way that we consume information and the way that we create or don't create. Um, I think that to dream and to really declare that I am, I'm about X, Y, Z, or I'm going to ABC. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to have a little bit of space and perspective in which to conceive of those ideas. And I think that in our world today, there's just not a lot of space for that. Um, and I also think that because of social media and people that are kind of that person that just all they do is post about their successes and like their trips or, you know, it's like they're this, this glamorous, incredible existence that they have. Um, And people that are more modest look at that and they're like, I don't want to be like that. Or I don't want to be that overly self-promoting artist who just constantly invites people to things or asks them to donate or, you know, whatever. I don't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. And I think that out of fear of that and busyness overall, between those two things, it's you end up just sort of start kind of deciding I'm not going to do anything. I'm just, you know, I don't want to be perceived that way. And um, I don't know, you know, I do think that the training that that a lot of artists get also feeds into that, you know, and in just school in general where you don't want to stand out too much. You don't want to draw too much attention to yourself. Um, you want to be a team player. Um, and I don't think any of those things need to go out the window. I think that being a decent human being and being a collaborative person is a really, really important set of values that is under underappreciated or under recognized maybe, mm-hmm. um, but is hugely a part of everyone's decision making, you know, it's, it's hugely a part of how we decide who we want to work with, um, on every front of what we do because life is just too short. You know, I want to work with people that are pleasant to work with and that are good partners. And, um, so all of that is important. I think you can have that spirit in how you work. And I definitely encourage artists to have that spirit, um, but believing in something and standing for something and believing that you have, that special spark to make something magical happen and that you are called to do that are two different things. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that distinction is, is very challenging for people to make psychologically. Yeah. Um, and, and we're certainly not trained to do that. 
Sure, sure. So in your in your personal journey, and also those times when you come across artists who are who are fearful, how have you approached fear and gotten over it? And how do you work with the artists that you come across who are battling with with fear and apprehension? And how do you help them get past that? That's a great question. Um, I think the first the first step to dealing with fear is recognizing that it's completely natural mm-hmm. and that it's it's never it's it's honestly whenever you do anything that's else I okay I'm gonna back up for a second whenever you do something that is of significance that is perhaps a new approach, at least a new approach for you. Mm-hmm. You're stepping outside of your own comfort zone. And whenever you step out of your comfort zone, and, and by the way, your comfort zone is everything, is the stuff that you're used to. It's the stuff that you're used to doing. It's the patterns, the mental patterns, the um, physical patterns, your life patterns. And the longer we all live and inhabit this earth, the more ingrained those habits and patterns become. So, And they start to turn into our belief systems. And um, our belief systems really turn into our comfort zone that kind of keeps us relatively sane and uh, and keeps us in a zone of, of comfort in our lives. That's why it's called the comfort zone, obviously. But <laughs> the moment that you start doing something that's different, even if it's not actually that dangerous or that hard or, or whatever it is, anything that you do that's not normal mm-hmm. activity is stepping out of the comfort zone. And um, once you do that, fear comes into into the mix just by virtue of your system saying, hey, this is not normal. This is different. Um, and so I think that I used to believe that once I, because, you know, when we started our business, our companies, that was really scary and really outside of anything we'd ever done before, mm-hmm. certainly outside of our comfort zones. Um, I think that I used to believe or expect that once we get ourselves going, once we have sustainable businesses, which was a real pipe dream at the time, um, you know, I'll, the fear part will be easier to deal with. You know what I mean? It's like we have success <laughs> behind us. We have proven, a, a proven track record, yeah. if not to the world and at least to ourselves. And the truth is that it doesn't change at all. It doesn't get any better. It doesn't get nothing. The only thing that changes is that you can learn to expect it. And then when you learn to expect it, you, you can be like, instead of going to that place of like, oh, my God, I don't know what's happening. This is, this is me in fear. And everyone has their own version of that. Instead, you can say to yourself, oh, that again. Mm-hmm. I know what's happening. It doesn't feel good, but I know it's happening. And here's what worked last time. Yeah. Um, and so I think for everyone, it's a little bit different. But recognizing that it's normal is really a huge step. And then from there, it's it's really kind of keeping your eye on what it is that you're trying to aim for and um, and really just focusing on that and allowing yourself to feel what you're feeling and having the thing that you're going for be more important to you and opting into that and making that choice over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of it, too, is having a really supportive kind of support network and, and set of people that you can lean on in those moments um and 
perhaps even having a routine. Um, you know, uh, we, one of our consulting clients, one of our former consulting clients that we worked with uh, a few years back is Nathan Cole, who's the associate concert master of the Los Angeles Philharmonic. And he has this incredible um, website and resource that I'll, I'll send to you so you can link to it. Yeah. Um, for violinists who are um, are kind of on the audition circuit or looking to get into orchestral um, careers or just looking to learn how to play. Um, and it's an amazing, amazing website uh, with tutorials and um, incredible blog posts that I think honestly relate to go far beyond string players and relate to human <laughs> beings in general. Um, and he talks about audition preparation and he talks about kind of the mindset. And I, I honestly think that for anyone who's doing something of significance, having a mindset approach and having an actual protocol for how you prepare for fear is really, really valuable to think through. Um, mm -hmm. You know, just like auditions, oftentimes people just do auditions over and over because that's what you're supposed to do. And some of them are horrific and some of them are awesome. And they're sort of like, that just part for the course that's how it goes but that's not true you can think through what you did when they were awesome and what you, th what you thought through and how you approached it when it was horrible and see patterns there and try to kind of create a best practices for yourself um, so I definitely advise that when it comes to fear um, just to really to do a postmortem to, to deconstruct what happens and um, and to create a protocol for yourself because everyone's totally different mm -hmm. um, and it's important to honor that. Yeah. In your own business journey, what has been the best investment you've ever made? Wow, that's a really hard question. <laughs> I like to sneak in questions like that every once in a while. I don't know if I've ever thought about that before. The best investment is a great question. Yeah. Um, I think that, honestly... The best investments that I've made have been, I, I, you know, my, my initial inclination was to say the people that, you know, the team, because I, the, in a service company, mm -hmm. what you are as a company is your team. And, um, you know, honestly, we, it took us a long time to get here and it took us a lot of trial and error and a lot of challenges. But we have truly, truly between the two companies, we have the most extraordinary team in the world. And, you know, we're going to have to edit this part out because I feel like we can't let people know about this. This is, this is not a state secret. <laughs> uh, so no courting of our team members away. Sure. We're holding on to them. Um, but, but truly, we have such an extraordinary team. And um, we, you know, we, we would not be anywhere without them at this yeah. point, you know. Um, and each time as we were growing and as we were making those decisions, investing in our people, and it, it remains that way now, you know, we're not at a point where we're, you know, going public anytime soon. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, we're not at a point where it's sort of like auxiliary and I don't think it ever will be. It's a huge investment for us. It's, a, it's an intentional investment and, and we're investing not just in, in the fact that the people are part of our team, but, and hopefully retaining them and have, you know, having them have a good experience and creating opportunities for them to grow and investing in their learning and growth. And 
um, all of those things. So I think, I think that's a really great investment that we have made and that we've continued to make. And, um, you know, I think back on when we brought some of these team members onto our team in the earlier days when it was a huge investment, it was sort of like, you know, like taking a deep dive and not knowing if any of us are going to come up for air. Um, but those were such good decisions back then. Um, but the other thing that I have to say in answering your question is, and I said this earlier that, you know, the mindset is the most important thing because it's, it's the one thing that at the end of the day will determine how you spend your hours, how you're able to conduct yourself in the meetings and, and within the opportunities that come to you um, and maximize them or totally botch them. You know, everything that comes to comes into your world will live or die by your mindset. And so I have to say that investing in myself and in my own training and my own coaching, I've, I've worked with coaches a number of times. I'm working with a coach now, um, really sharpening my own saw when it comes to my blind spots and my mindset and um, how, how I can be a better leader, how I can be a better and. Um, just a more effective human being and, and how I can grapple with my own demons in a, in a manner that's um, more uh, perhaps more smooth or more gentle on myself and, mm-hmm. and more generous towards myself. Um, all of that has informed how I work both with our team, with our wonderful team uh, that is, you know, blessed or cursed with me uh, <laughs> at the helm of, of Cadenza artists and, and, you know, working alongside Jennifer at Cadenza Um and, um, you know, and also just in terms of my, my ability to create, to find ideas, to create new ideas with partners and to forge ahead in, in the work that we do um, and in the work that we do with our artists. I mean, all of those things are heavily impacted by my mindset. And so to think that I have to just invest in others and not recognize the role that my mindset plays in everything that happens um, would be a huge oversight. And that's been a hard lesson for me to relearn over and over again. Mm-hmm. Sure. I want to take a step back to your your high, hiring policies. So so clearly you're doing something right, If um, especially if you have such a, a fantastic team. Are there certain, I guess, when, when you're going through this process of hiring people, how do you first attract the best people for your company and are there particular things you were looking for or personality traits or what was it that helped you put the the pieces together to create a complete uh, amazing team? I wish it were a formula that I could just, you know, that we could just (laughs) use from now on and we're always trying. We have some very systems-oriented people on our team who are amazing and that's just not how my mind works, but Mm -hmm. luckily we have them Um, and they're always trying to turn, to kind of evaluate past things, past experiences or trials and error um, to create formulaic kind of approaches and they've actually been surprisingly successful in a lot of cases where I thought, this can't be, you know, formulaized. Um, but, um, in this particular instance, they have not yet come through with a formula for us. Um, so (laughs) I mean, I guess I would say one of the, the, there are some non-negotiables that we look for, which are integrity, honesty, um, 
you know, someone who is able to communicate directly and freely. We're a, a very unusual team in that we're very direct with each other. We're very kind of supportive and generous as a philosophy, but we're also very direct. Um, and um, that's that's unusual for some for a lot of people. You know, there's not a lot of politicking involved. Um, mm-hmm. And everyone in our team is expected to bring forward ideas and commentary from the very newest kind of assistant team member to the most senior team members. Um, so people are really encouraged to contribute and to um, and to be willing to engage in discourse in that way. So people that are not comfortable in that kind of environment are not a good fit. And so we're always looking for people that are that are vocal, but also very kind of generous in spirit, um, which is an interesting combination that's not always common. Um, and um, and people who are empathetic, but also very driven towards action. Our team works very, very quickly, and we're always kind of dealing with the next frontier of challenges along the way, which um, sure. I heard a podcast interview with Gary Ridge, who's the CEO of WD40, uh, recently, and he was saying, you know, every day we come to work to solve problems. And I just love that. I love that philosophy because that's obviously what we all do. But thinking about it as that's that's the job as opposed to, oh, no, a problem. You know? <laughs> um, it's just such a healthier mindset. So you know, we solve a lot of problems every day and the, the complexity of the problems only increases. So um, working with people that are you know, interested in a team oriented dynamic and are action driven, but also empathetic and able to handle very complex um, social situations with, you know, with complex people. Cause we work with artists who are, um, who can be, you know, kind of psychologically complex beings. That's what allows <laughs> them to create. Um, and that was a, a very nice way to describe that. <laughs> um, well, my husband is a neurologist, so sure. if it gets very serious, he's always on call. I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, but, um, yeah, in, in our vows at our wedding, he actually said that he vows to always be available for neurological consultations for our clients. <laughs> so he is always available, but we haven't had to use him yet. Oh, that's good. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, those are kind of primary and really key obviously depending on the position we're looking for different things and different kinds of breadth of background we've worked with a lot of a lot of people on our team this was their first job or their second job um so we've done a lot of kind of training up um but as we continue to grow we're always you know starting to look more into specialization um in terms of people's backgrounds as well sure excellent are you hiring right now we actually are hiring right now. Oh, what kind of people are you looking for? We are currently hiring for two positions, um, one at Icadenza and one at Cadenza Artists. At Icadenza, we're looking for an artist project leader, which is basically for our consulting clients and our management clients. Um, this person is assigned a, ser- you know, a, set of, a set number of artists that basically they're the project manager for. Um, so they are working alongside our consultants to handle whatever projects the artist has going on and to sure. make sure that everyone's on the same page and that the things that the artist is trying to move forward are moving forward, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's sort of the, 
a combination of the the vision and executor and the 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 kind of the gentle nag um, on everyone involved, both on our team and and the artist, to make sure that things move forward quickly sure. enough. And then I could end the artist. We're actually hiring for another booking agent, so that's a that's a really really. Um, that's one of the more challenging positions to find a good fit for because there's there are so many qualities we're looking for in mm-hmm. that person. Well, wonderful. Well, so maybe one of the listeners is uh, fit for one of these and perhaps will reach out. That would be amazing. Yeah. So in in everything that you've done, what would you say has been the best advice you've ever received? It's a, that's another great question. Um I think I'm going to share something that I've shared previously with you um, in another conversation. Because <laughs> I do think that that remains a, a really important piece of advice that, that guides those moments when I go into intense fear or intense overwhelm mm-hmm. or just um, or self-doubt, you know, or doubting that, that, that the priorities that I've set for myself. I think today at this point, the biggest challenge that I have on any given day is prioritizing um, because there's so much that's coming at me from all these different directions and it's all really lovely and exciting and I get to work with awesome people. And so it's just about what, what should happen first and what's most mission critical and how do I help lead our team in that, from that perspective. Um, And so what helps me when I have those moments of, of kind of uh, feeling like I've lost my, my center or my grounding is um is a quote that someone shared with me a while back and um it can be existential it can be religious depending on your your tendencies um i have a very very strong belief in god and um so that i i do connect with it from that perspective but you don't Mm -hmm. have to think about it that way um and the quote is the universe never gives you more than you can handle um you can change that to god never gives you never sends you more than you can handle or sends more than you can handle your way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, that's definitely, I mean, I think that's just a, a kind of a fact of life and how the world works. And um, when I feel like there's just so much coming at me and it's just impossible, if I tell myself that, if I remind myself that about that quote, it just sort of kind of gives me the sense of ease and sense of, okay, it is. This is what it is. You know what I mean? This is reality. Um, and I, I let go of that feeling of why me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or, or wanting to fight it or wanting to flight, um, take flight away from it. Or, you know, I think the biggest challenge in my experience when challenges arise, the biggest challenge is getting through that hurdle of, you know, why is this happening? And le- this must be stopped, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> before actually diving in to deal with it. Um, the amount of time and energy I waste in that mode in those in those times is the most significant amount of energy. It's not the doing of it that takes time and energy. It's the reacting to the fact that all of this is on my shoulders. Um, it's just so depleting. It's such a depleting thought. So the universe never gives you more than you can handle. It just sort of gives me this upliftment through that energy. And then I can just get to the task at hand. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Well, Julia, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate your time. If the listeners would like to see more about what you're working on, 
where is the best place they can do that or get a hold of you? The best place is to check out our websites. Um, the website for iCadenza is www.icadenza.com and Cadenza Artist is www.cadenzaartist.com. And I'm sure you'll provide those links as well. Um, and we do have the group coaching program that we just launched that I think could be really interesting for both artists and arts entrepreneurs and um, arts administrators alike. It's really it's about launching launching your venture or launching your career. If that's what you're working on for an artist or launching a new project. Um, so I would definitely encourage folks to check that out, too. And that's on the Icadenza website. It is. Um, I'll I'll send you the link so you can Perfect. link to it, or it's listed under services as well. It's idea to impact. Okay, excellent. Yes, I think that'll be fantastic to listen to. So, or and to watch. So, I will put all of those links in the show notes. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been so fun. It has. Thank you so much. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Advance Your Art Podcast. If you like this episode, please go into iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button so that every single time I release a new episode, it will go directly to you without even thinking about it. If you're interested in hearing older episodes, please go to AdvanceYourArt.com where you can find the catalog of everything I've done so far, as well as contact information and projects I'm working on. Thank you again, and have a great day.